Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris and I'll be your host for the next hour of broadcasting on 3CR 855 AM on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au and on digital radio and later on demand and podcasted. Um, I'd firstly like to start with an acknowledgement of country. This land is stolen. I'm broadcasting over the Rundry and Bunurong people's lands. Sovereignty was never ceded. Genocide is ongoing and colonization continues to this day. I'd like to pay respect to elders past, present and future and acknowledge any Indigenous listeners tuning in today. So for today's show, we've got a bunch of content for you. First up, I will have on the line Tony Bifra, and we'll be talking about some issues related to intersex human rights. And later in the show, we'll be playing an interview Taz recorded with um, a bunch of with Camille and and Josh are talking about some issues to do with queerness and Sri Lankan identity, both in Sri Lanka and in the diaspora. So stay tuned for that on Queering the Air. And also a reminder, this week is Subscriber Week. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to 3CR and keep 3CR Radical Radio alive. It's $35 concession, pension, $75 waged, $150 solidarity. Um, if you have that sort of cash, it'd be great to get some new subscribers this week. It help keep, helps keep us on air. 3CR is grassroots and community funded. We need your support. If you have got anything out of this show, of the many amazing shows, it's really important. And you have some cash, it's really important to subscribe and be a part of it. You can also, as a subscriber, you can influence 3CR, go to meetings and... Yeah, join committees if you like. So that's another aspect of it. And that was Skinny Bitches by Miss Blanks. And if you just tuned in, you're tuned into Queering the Air. And I'm Iris. I'm now joined on the line by Tony Bithra. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, Iris. Thanks. Um, Tony Bithra is a councillor, former mayor of the city of Hobson's Bay. Um, public speaker, passionate human rights activist, and a co-director of Intersex Human Rights Australia, as well as a number of other, <laughs> a number, a number of other boards and committees. Um, for listeners that may not know, intersex people are people that are bodily diverse, having biological variations that differ from the heteronormative norms of inverted commas, male, female. Um, how are you, Tenny? I am very well, thank you, Iris. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, so first I'd like to start with um, asking you about your deep disappointment you had with Melbourne Pride March, including the Royal Children's Hospital who who marched and who routinely enforced violent and unnecessary heteronormative surgeries and interventions on intersex young people that are a sure. form of conversion therapy. Yeah, sure. It was um, um, yeah, very confronting last year 
um, being at Pride, and I've, I've participated in Pride March many, many times over the last well, more than 20 years, 25 years so. Um, I've marched as mayor, I've marched with my foster children, and I was marching with the City of Hobson's Bay last year, and whilst waiting and just watching the march and seeing the Royal Children's Hospital encroach on queer space, knowing that they not only are a group that, that are the organisation that abused me so so terribly and invasively when I was a child, um, including castrating me and everything, um, that they're still doing it today. So to see them in a Pride March and being cheered on by the crowd and whatever was extremely triggering and confronting, disappointing. Um, it was all, all sorts of hurt. Um, and, and also in our space, in queer space, thing that was just very confronting. So... Look, it was disappointing that they were there. It was disappointing that they were still allowed to march this year, given that, you know, their ongoing violence towards uh, intersex infants and children um, and their continuing defence of of these practices. But I have to say, the, the response from the LGB community in particular was absolutely amazing. Um, to get wonderful support for groups like Switchboard Victoria, Thorn Harbour Health, uh, Diamond Street, Bisexual Alliance, the um, Australasian GBTL uh, Multicultural Society, and another number of other groups. It was just wonderful to see because it wasn't just words and community groups saying, you know, we support the intersex community. There were were groups actually willing and, you know, they produced banners to actively support us and call for the RCH to stop these these abuses. So it was it was actually really, really good mm. to see. I mean, would I like to see the RCH march uh, next year? Of course not. Um, I really wouldn't. But that said, I love Midsummer. I love Pride March. And I really would, would hate to see them ever go or be negatively affected because, you know, if I look at... We had so many queer spaces when I first came out 20-odd years ago. Um, and now everything's gone online. So they have these these celebrations like this summer, like Pride, like Carnival, are very important to me. So I really hate to see them, you know, not continue. Mm. But I guess Midsummer's said that opening dialogue. Um, is there really any room for dialogue, given, like, what the hospital's up to? Um, look, I'm always happy to talk with the RCH. Or, you know, I've, I, and I have been trying for the last, you know, 20-odd years to, to, to work with the RCH, but they can completely refuse to. I think it's fair to say any other organisation that would be involved in conversion therapy um, against, particularly against gay and lesbian people, would not be allowed to march. So I do think that, you know, the RCH should not have been allowed to march. But also, frankly, I'm really astounded that the RCH had the cheek, knowing the way that they abuse their children, to actually front up. I mean, I, if... Um, anyway, if, if they do attend next year, you know they'll they'll be confronting all sorts of all sorts of protest banners. But I think it's it's now the time that we're also going to be protesting against them. So it, it's very likely that come Good Friday and the Good Friday appeal at the RCH, that there'll be a silent vigil outside the RCH, um, just calling and reminding people about what they do to intersex children. What they continue to do is these things aren't just something in the 1950s, they're doing it still. And that, that was the wonderful thing in a way about, about Pride, in that 
it actually really raised so much awareness about these practices and what the RCH is currently doing. So either way, mm. if that's what Miss Summer wanted to do, well, they actually got it thanks to groups groups like Switchboard and Thorn Harbour Health. Yeah, it was, it was really good to see that. Um, on the day as well, the Andrews government announced a legislative end to conversion therapy but left out intersex people and only um, we're going talking about LGB, LGB, maybe they're talking about tra- and trans, I think, um, people. Yeah, um, what What are your thoughts on that happening? On, that happened on the same day as well? Yeah, look, I have to say it is, it is disappointing in, in that, you know, on the day we, we're getting messages that conversion therapy won't be allowed uh, because LGBT people are just, you know, wonderful the way they are um, and there's no need to modify them. Well, hello, um, what about intersex people, intersex children? We are wonderful the way that we are as well. Um, so it is. it was very disappointing that we weren't included. If we look at other jurisdictions like Malta and like California this week, um, other jurisdictions are introducing legislation to protect, to protect intersex children. Um, we haven't seen anything like that in Australia and and certainly I and many other intersex activists are calling for a moratorium on these interventions. And the onus should be on stopping these interventions until doctors can actually show evidence that they are necessary. Um, and if they are necessary, well, let's have some sort of independent tribunal just authorise any interventions that doctors believe that are medically required. Um, and I, I don't believe that if that was were to happen, that they would go to a tribunal for many of these cases because, for example, reducing the size of a baby girl's clitoris, how can that possibly be a medically a medical necessity that requires it to be done while the child is a baby and can't provide consent? And why can't it be held off until the child can decide for herself? Mm. Um, there's, there's even castrations on children. Well, why can't? It wait until a child can decide for themselves when they're old enough if they want to have their healthy gonads removed or not. Even in injections, there are now testosterone injections being given to some intersex babies as young as three weeks old to ensure that they identify as male and while they're at it, heterosexual, heteronormative males at that. So mm. it, it, it's, a, it's a disgrace. It is absolutely a disgrace. So these, these all of these interventions should be should be stopped immediately. I mean, in Victoria, a, a vet cannot cut off a tail off a dog. They cannot do it. There's anti-docking laws. And yet, for an intersex children, anything like that can happen. Um, even tattoos. A, a minor, a, a child cannot get a tattoo or a parent can't choose to have a tattoo put on an infant or a child. Uh, they have to be 18 to provide that sort of that consent. But yet, hospitals decide to, let's just surgically reduce the size of a baby girl's clitoris or let's just castrate some intersex kids. Absolutely absurd and just an affront to our human rights. Yeah, definitely. It's alarming and disgusting. Have there been... Have you had any... Have you been able to talk to anyone in the Andrews government about it and are they saying anything on it? We have. Um, that, look, the Martin Foley is a great supporter of the intersex community and so is Roe Allen and there's been, we've had a meeting this week and there are some steps progressing, but you also have to understand that doctors are a very, very powerful mm. lobby group. So, you know, they've been quite disingenuous, even in their engagement with the with the government and refusing to provide 
government with data on what is actually happening at the Royal Children's Hospital in terms of their interventions on, on intersex children. So, look, we'd like to see the Andrews government do more, um, but they, they are, look, they are, they are doing something. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Look, I'm, I'm certainly very hopeful that we are moving in the right direction, even though it's very, very slow. And uh, I, I, would, I would like to see more done very quickly, frankly. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've already touched on this, but there was a number of um, organisations acting in solidarity with intersex yeah, communities. Was- um, um, is this is this something that is you've seen changing recently, um, or is it still very much outweighed by a lack of solidarity? I'm actually going to say that the the support this time around for the intersex community was actually unprecedented, if not in Australia, well, if not in the world, certainly in Australia. Um, to have Switchboard Victoria so publicly out there supporting intersex and calling for the RCH to stop their abusive practices, Thorn Harbour Health, Drummond Street Bisexual Alliance, the a- AGMS, yeah, it's, you know, they're leading GLBT groups, uh, or GLB groups in particular, and they've really come out in support of us and it was it was actually really great to see. So good to see that people are actually not only saying that they're allies and signing up to things like the Daleks and Statement, but actually walking the walk and showing their support and solidarity with the intersex community and saying that, saying actually calling on the RCH and outing them saying this these practices are abhorrent, should not be allowed. We know that you're doing this and it needs to be stopped now. Yeah, for sure. Um, could you talk more about the formation of the Darling- Darlington Statement um, and some of its key features? <coughs> sure. So back in, not last year, almost two years ago now, I think it was March 2017, a whole bunch of intersex activists from Australia and New Zealand uh, got together in Sydney. That's why it's called Darlington Statement, because we were in Darlington. And we came up with a, a statement that outlines who we are as an intersex community and what it is that, that we want. So it outlines the human rights and legal reforms that we want, the health and wellbeing reforms, um, things you know like in employment and discrimination, peer support, which is extremely important for intersex people and our families. So even, I mean, I really have to feel always feel for parents uh, of babies uh, and infants and young children with intersex variations and, and the confusion that they go through. Um, and also, in the Darling Statement, it talks about allies and what what we would like to see from, from allies. And I have to say, say, given the recent events, those groups that I've mentioned, you know, have, have been showing they, they're great allies and obviously would like to see that more and more. Yeah, definitely. Um Another question on the struggles of intersex and trans community, of which there are members of both. Um, How do you see those struggles intertwining or diverging? Yeah, well, most intersex people are cisgendered and straight. So the the majority of intersex people are quite comfortable in the sex that they were assigned at birth and they were raised. Many, just most intersex people are also straight. Um, But a whole... There's a large number of us as well that are also queer, and there's a smaller number that are trans. So we have things in common with 
the GLBT communities. And that's why we are in that space. Well, why it is, and it should be, GLBTI communities working together. Anything that affects heteronormativity and the stereotypical expectations of what it means to be a male or what it means to be a female affects us. That affects, that's the same for for gay, for lesbian, bisexual, and for trans people. Of Of the small portion of intersex people that are also trans, I'd like to also mention that about them that for, for a number of them, it's not so much that they are that they were obviously biologically one sex and then had a gender identity of the other sex and transitioned, as so much as that they were raised for intersex people in particular. A decision was made at birth, an active decision was made by a doctor at birth about should that person be a boy or a girl, and. Usually, a number of things happen after that as well to reinforce that that um, gender assignment or that sex assignment. So, rather than actually having a, a like a trans experience, I mean, there's, there's some similarities for those people that have that experience when they are assigned the wrong sex at birth. That affects about eight percent of intersex people, according to research here in Victoria, and of that eight percent. Most intersex people would say that rather than being trans, it's actually that they were assigned the wrong sex at birth and they they are really reversing what doctors did to them at birth. Things like birth certificates. Um, An intersex person, and I know because I've done this myself, can have a birth certificate corrected. So things like if they're assigned the wrong sex at birth and they want to have it changed or corrected later on, they can. We provide evidence to birth, death, and marriages um, that the wrong assignment was made at birth, and the birth is the birth certificate is, is reissued as a as a correction rather than a, a change as per the trans process. In terms of treatment, it's actually quite interesting how different the treatment is. And in, a trans child um, and adolescent in Victoria, their bodily integrity is is paramount and. Hardly anything is done to them. I mean, nothing actually. In fact, nothing is done to that person mm. without their consent. Um, that which is a huge difference between that and intersex people, because most of the things that happen to us are done without our consent, without our knowledge. Um, even even our poor parents um, are told the full truth. So that's quite a big difference as well. Um, that said, obviously in the process of transitioning for. Uh, or reversing what doctors did to us as children. We experience some things in, in common with, with trans people. So some of us will experience what it's like to, to transition at work or in society, um, and then dealing with all that conflation about people thinking that, that we're perhaps trans and explaining that, well, actually, we're not just trans, but we were, you know, these are the things that happened to us as, as children and, and, and adolescents and what we are trying to reverse. Um, that's not to say that we don't, you know, re- respect and, uh, and appreciate the, the struggles trans and gender diverse communities go through. Um, it, it's real and it's, it's the same sort of human rights that we're all fighting for because it's all against that, the ideas of, you know, that stereotypical ideas of what it means to be male or female that we're all fighting against. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for outlining, outlining all of that. Um, I think there's 
been some heightened discussion of birth certificates, and on that point, I think um, the Darlington Statement wrote about, like, why do we have these categories of birth certificates? Um, what's What does it serve? Yeah, it's interesting because the, there was legislation brought to Parliament in Victoria maybe two years ago now, I think, um, that almost adversely affected um, the intersex community because the mm. the changes were made without discussions with us. Um, and things like, we don't want, to be honest, intersex children, we don't want intersex babies to, be, to have a birth certificate that says that they're something other than male or female. The best thing for us is, which is the situation now, you raise a child as either a male or a female, don't search for reinforcement, have a birth certificate that says they're male or female, and if it needs to be corrected, correct it. And, and that does happen. That, that's been happening. I, I know people in the 60s that had their birth certificate as four- or five-year-old children had their birth certificate corrected from one sex to another because it became apparent when the child went to kinder that you know, they actually identify as the sex of the opposite sex of what they were being raised. Um, so we've always had that that provision. Certainly, as as we get older, um, if we want to change the birth certificate in a particular way, uh, we sh- we should be able to. It's interesting in all those frustrating discussions, um, even in social media in in recent months with. Governments and any stadium Bill Shorten um, and the Prime Minister coming out and talking about gender on birth certificates. No birth certificate in this country has gender on it. It all says sex, not gender. So it's not about um, on birth certificates, you know, as saying that a child at birth identifies in a particular way. It actually mentions what their what their sex is. Um, and it, and and look, to be honest. Does it really need to be there on a birth certificate? Mm. I, I, I don't think it really needs to be there, but um, yeah, I, I think we're a long way off that. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, what would you like to leave? Um, what message would you messages would you like to leave for non-intersex people of LGBTI communities? That um, that we are a part of the community of the GLBTI community that we want, and we want to. We've been working with GLBT communities. For many years, I was even convener of Transgender Victoria back in 2002. Mm. Um, we just want people to, and other groups, to know about us, know what we are and what we are not, understand the abuses that we are talking about and that they are still happening today, they're not, they're not just a part of history, and to join us in actively opposing and calling for an end to those interventions. Yes, definitely. Um, thank you so much. Do you have anything else to add? Not at all, but if people want more information, they can always go to the ERA website on ihra.org.au. Thanks for joining me on Querying the Air today, Tony. Not a problem, Iris. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. And that was Tony Bifra speaking on a range of issues through intersex human rights. And that was OV Lovekush by K8. You're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And if you'd like to become a subscriber of 3CR, please do that. This is the perfect time to support Radical Radio. Um, 
an organization of like 400 volunteers keeps this station ticking over and it'd be great to have new people on board keeping us on on air because we rely on community support to keep 3CR going. Next, I have an interview featuring um, Camille, a Sri Lankan lesbian vlogger, one half of Lesquitas, documenting queer life in Sri Lanka, and Josh, one of the organizers of the Asian Float at Midsummer 2019. The interview discusses identity and different experiences of queer Sri Lankans in diaspora, diaspora and in Sri Lanka. Thanks to Taz for producing this interview. Stay tuned to Queering the Air. Hi folks, it's Taz. Um, I'll be your host for your show tonight. Um, I've got Josh. Josh, who's actually organized the Asian float at the 2019 Midsummer um, Parade. And we've also got Shemeli, who's one half of the Lesketeers, which is a Sri Lankan queer uh, vlogger duo. Right, so I'll probably um, pass on the mic to both of them. They can talk a little bit about themselves, and maybe we'll start with you, Josh. What have you um, tell us a little bit more about the Asian float, and um, I guess the, what brought you to organize that? And tell us about that experience. Cool. Thanks, Taz, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. So I was uh, one of the people that organized the the queer Asian float for the Midsummer Pride March uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, and I guess this came about for a few different reasons. Um, like some of our listeners may be familiar with the Facebook group Subtle Asian Traits and the many, many, many spin-offs. Um, so this float originally birthed out of the queer Asian spin-off of that group, Subtle Queer Asian Traits. But then the float sort of evolved into being something much more than that and encompassing a whole, uh, whole bunch of different uh, groups within the queer Asian community. Um, so we sort of took under the name of um, From Geisha With Love. And... Having been at Midsummer and other uh, Pride marches before, there's definitely a distinct lack of Asian representation um, in the parade. So we thought it was really important to showcase Asians' diversity and not just the East Asia that a lot of people are familiar with, but you know different parts of Asia, particularly South Asia and Southeast Asia. So that's how the, the whole project sort of came about. Um, the reason I went to like uh, the Asian group uh, in the Melbourne Pride March is that um, I've been volunteering at the Midsummer Pride Carnival since I just got here in Melbourne and I wanted to get to know the queer community here since um, I'm a lesbian and I want to express myself that way, not hiding myself. So. Um, the carnival was fun, but then like um, parading with the Asian group was even better because like I uh, get to got to know so many Asian Asian LGBT friends, and I got to know even Sri Lankan Asian Sri Lankan LGBT friends. So that was the best part of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, me and my girlfriend do the YouTube channel in back in Sri Lanka. Um, we started it because in Sri Lanka there is um, like very very few uh, LGBT YouTube channels and like very few uh, LGBT people on the media itself who are open about it. But 
uh, we wanted to start it and like now we've started blogging and we've gathered a little crowd but we want to do more we want to do uh, like um, remakes of music videos and like we want to do uh, awareness videos and like we, we are doing things that are not even queer thing like other entertainment videos to like because like um, that shouldn't be like the whole whole area of our channel we we want to do even more like to uh, explore what else we can do so like uh, my girlfriend is still in Sri Lanka but she will get here in Melbourne and after that we will continue our channel thanks for sharing that um, Josh and Chameli and um, perhaps I'll ask you I'll sh shoot through another question to Chameli because obviously you've, you're an international student you've moved here from Sri Lanka very different experience than because I'm a Sri Lankan who also who also lived in who lives in diaspora I want to know I guess maybe if you could share with us your experience about growing up queer in Sri Lanka and the changes as well that of that LGBT experience specifically in Colombo what does that look like well, um, there is much more in Colombo than in the other parts of Sri Lanka. Like, it's it's just, like, so different. Because when I got here, I experienced a whole other environment than what I saw in Sri Lanka. I was, like, completely happy. Because um, back in Sri Lanka, uh, there's, like, trans people. And um, especially the trans people who go through a lot of... Uh, I, my trans friends who go through a lot of like um, public harassment and like um, and 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 a lot of problems, uh, even by the police for like simply simply being themselves for not not uh, violating any laws, they just get into trouble and they just arrest them for being who they are, and uh, I've I've personally known people who have gotten arrested for no reason. And um, I have uh, uh, gay friends who have just been arrested uh, for holding hands, and 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 there's a lot of people are just depressed and they they deny their identity back there. There's a few organizations in there who help LGBT people, and they try to organize uh, a pride a pride month celebrations every year. And, and it's very small scale, but like a few people are gathering around it. But I just feel like there should be more people getting to know about it. Because um, that's, that's like the only, only thing happening uh, for Pride, for LGBT people in there are the ones that those groups are organizing. So I just feel like more people should get to know about it and more queer people should come together in social media and in real life too and organize more things so that like we can work towards uh, legalizing LGBT rights in there. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for that. And also just in, perhaps the listeners may have noticed, but we're actually sitting at a cafe <laughs> together. So I do apologize about the background noise, but um, thank you again, sharing that with us, Chimili. I don't, I mean, obviously Midsummer has just, um, closed and ended um, don't know if you've watched 
there, there was this uh, sort of like a play. It's called uh, Queer Asian Anonymous. I don't know if you managed to watch that, Josh. No, I, was, I was hoping to get your input on that. So I managed to watch it. In fact, in my previous interview, I actually interviewed um, the collective that was behind it. And that was mostly gay men as well. And I mean, and they try to cover a lot of issues like things like lateral violence and, um, you know, racism as a structure. And was, so it was a two and a half hour long or about two hours long play. And it's jam-packed and mostly gay men, as I said. And it's a little bit difficult to expand on the experiences, I thought. And I thought it was really kind of pushing it. But it was a, it was a good good play. And I don't... I don't you know, um, recommend. I definitely recommend it to people if they if they are going to do a rerun of the show. Um, I guess Josh, maybe you can talk a little bit more about your personal experience. I I can see you shrugging. Like, <laughs> whoops, putting you in the spot. I guess you know, growing up. I guess I don't know if you see yourself as more Asian or Sri Lankan, living and born in in Australia, Melbourne. Is this still in land, by the way? Like, <laughs> anyway, if we can talk a little bit more about that like how was that experience and have you ever and your connection to Sri Lanka do you I don't know do you feel that you have that connection back home for example how, how what is that experience like yeah good question it's a very big question <laughs> um well, I've always felt in a really weird place I was born born in Melbourne um my parents are both burgers um from Sri Lanka uh they moved to Australia a few years before I was born and yeah I've always felt sort of in between like a lot of different communities like not um, like when I go back to Sri Lanka, for example, I don't speak Sinhalese, so I found it really difficult to connect with relatives who don't speak English, or just feeling like a sense of displacement, like walking on the streets there, not really feeling like I fit in there. But then even when I'm in Melbourne, not really feeling like I fit in with, with like the general like quote unquote Australian um, experience as well. So I've always felt like a really weird sort of yeah, sort of in between different communities, and it sort of carried through with like being in the queer community as well, like not really feeling like like typical I'm doing finger things you can't really see it um, but typical um, like queer enough sort of thing um, so I've just sort of yeah like it's a really interesting intersection of like many multiple different identities and I haven't really quite worked out how to like reconcile the different parts of me but I just know that you know I don't find myself fully Sri Lankan or fully Australian or fully this 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 but like these are all different different parts of me that sort of intersect in a way that I can't really describe properly yet Thank you for that, Josh. Um, also, maybe, probably worth mentioning. So, Josh mentioned that they were a burger. That's a Sri Lankan ethnic group, uh, mostly of European background. And I probably to disclose that we're actually thinking about it. We're Sri Lankan, like I'm Sri Lankan more, and we have Chimeli who's Sri Lankan, Singhalese, Josh who's Sri Lankan burger, and they're all like different ethnic groups in Sri Lanka. And I guess the politics of Sri Lanka is a to- is one probably worth one show. Um, but yeah, and I guess I can kind of feel the same way in some ways. I call myself a third culture kid, so I cannot speak Tamil and Sinhala or Sinhala. But I've lived in diaspora, so I've never really. And I grew up in the Middle East, so they, they, we didn't have birthright or, or um, we couldn't acquire citizenship. Not not a, not the time that when I, when I lived there anyway. So I guess I never really felt like I should be fitting in anyway. So we retained a lot of our. Um, parents, national um, cultures, um, a lot, and I guess that journey in terms of um, different identities is something that 
we're constantly learning and constantly navigating with because also identity is also fluid. You know, it's the way how you interact with culture, with space, with um, uh, community. But um, uh, so you're back listening to 3CR. Uh, that's 855 on your AM dial. I've got Jamili and we've got Josh who are joining me today. And um, I probably just didn't remember, uh, mention this earlier when I introduced um, Chameli, but Chameli is also part of a um, LGBT organization in Sri Lanka called Chatra. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yes, um, Chatra is like a voluntary uh, organization and um, uh, it's a secret organization. So um, it's backed by uh, CWDF, Community Welfare Development Fund. Um, and um, and uh, it's like an LGBT organization that uh, helps the community uh, with financially as well as like we organize community events but in secret because in there um, you can't have public events it would be illegal or like we might get um, intervened by the police so uh, that's that's a risk that we're taking so also um, by by keeping it secret, we uh, maintain uh, that all uh, like all the identities of the people who come to our events um, are like safe within us. So it's like a uh, the word itself chatra means in Sinhala uh, umbrella. So an umbrella is like a safe place for LGBT people to hang out. So. Uh, we do events like uh, movie movie nights every month, and uh, it's like a, a movie in any part of the world that's LGBT, and we um, screen it. And afterwards, uh, there's a discussion and uh, a news report, which is like discussing both international and local news about LGBT people that happened during that month. So, like, only the people who uh, know about this event can access this event. Uh, and after that, we have, like, a mingle and, uh, like, a food session. So, like, there's food outside, like, which all of us, like, all of us in Chatra uh, volunteer to bring. And, uh, yeah, we, we, and then you can go outside and have some food. Uh, yeah, that's, that's Chatra. Um, so, like, you know, when we Google LGBT organizations in Sri Lanka, the most common one we find is Equal Ground. Right? I say, um, you know, huge organization, lots of funding. Tell us what makes Chatra different to Equal Ground. What do they do differently? Do they have a different uh, um, audience? Do they have a different um, aim? What's the, what's the difference? Yeah, definitely the audience and definitely the people, uh, definitely the crowd that comes there is different. And uh, no, it's just that um, we we are, uh, we act on different policies. Like um, we don't uh, we don't have hierarchy in in our organization. That is the main thing. Uh, it's sort of like. Uh, Everyone in Chatra is a part of Chatra and, and a member of Chatra. We don't have uh, roles or we don't have like certain responsibilities put into one person. And in that way, we don't have, uh, we don't have um, 
secret or like uh, hidden uh, hidden pol- hidden uh, uh, details in the organization so like in between all the members know what's happening and in between uh, all of us take part in organizing everything like uh, we all discuss it in one group and we uh, and we discuss uh, everything that's going to happen in the future in in the uh, in the meetups in the movie nights and um, and and we we, we just uh, we have a open policy about it so so there there no one's working in chatra no one has a job role and uh, no no one's a certain appointed member and it's a safe place and we want to keep it uh, secret because that way we can get to uh, get in contact with many uh, lgbt people who are hiding and closeted and and who don't want to come out because that's the case like like in 80% of lgbt people they don't want to come out but maybe they they are willing to <coughs> connect with more lgbt people if you create a safe space so that's that's the aim of chatra thanks chimeli so i guess essentially it's probably more of a difference in organizing right you're more of a collective um essentially i think probably have similar aims want to support queer people um educate about the challenges and hopefully um decriminalize um queer queerness in sri lanka and coming back to your you know what you mentioned earlier i think you mentioned that you had a uh, a vlog called lasketiers that's l e s k e t w e r s so you know check them out lasketiers um new vlog started out last year so you mentioned that you wanted to do awareness videos and um there's article 365 um that references carnal carnal intercourse that's actually been interpreted as um the law, that that article's been interpreted as homosexual uh, homosexual um sex i guess you could say and that's usually uh, used to target um lgbt people and there's another article which i can't remember off the top of the head or top top of my head is um on impersonation which actually is used mainly against uh trans folks so uh, and you know you mentioned earlier police is obviously heavy on that crackdown and coming back to that like it just reminds me of like when you know when in midsummer like it's amazing how there is this huge corporate rainbow uh that's paraded around um that that event and then there's a massive force of police as well and i think to myself like you know if sri lanka one day decriminalizes this and then there was a bunch of police that were marching around in pride i would be a little bit offended because that's they cause so much damage and now they're here part of our parade but i and it's amazing because like every time we have this disruption of the floats you know they're booted they're booed and they're booted out and it's i was and this article that bobok wrote bobok said wrote on the pink washing of midsummer it's just a you know, it's a beautiful article if you haven't read it um you know definitely google and read it um basically talks about the price we pay for visibility you know we've sold we sell out so much we let huge corporations come in and utilize you know that diversity utilize the struggle to become a marketing tool um we allow like police which have has, has historically wronged like the lgbt community and we're not allowing and it's funny because like we're not allowing critique from within queer the queer community to criticize this and yet we want to um want space like in the in mainstream australia basically 
Um, maybe I'll come back to Josh. You know, like I kind of, I feel like I've left you here for quite a bit. Thanks for sharing that, Josh. And I'm just going to touch back on, you know, you mentioned on visibility in Sri Lanka. I'm just going to come back to you, Chameli. Visibility in Sri Lanka. I mean, I'm, look, I'm Sri Lankan. I go to Sri Lanka very often. Zero, right? I think a lot of people travel to Sri Lanka and they have this very narrow idea of what Sri Lanka is like. It's very Buddhist, very Sinhalese. Hardly hear anything else beyond that. And it's also quite politically... Um, influenced in terms of the marketing of the country. Could you tell me a little bit more, you know, about the awareness you wanted to spread, like, with your channel? Right. Um, so, uh, since there's, like, a lack of uh, LGBT media in Sri Lanka, the reason we started Leskities was to, like, bring out that, uh, at least the fact that me and Aloka are lesbians who are living in Sri Lanka, because uh, even the government keeps on denying that uh, that we uh, that there are LGBT people living in Sri Lanka, but um, but we wanted to make a channel uh, and disprove that. But uh, and then we started making vlogs. But we want to go beyond that, beyond mainstream vlogs and uh, uh, and such videos. And we want to make like uh, specifically uh, targeted. Uh, videos like awareness raising videos about the LGBT community in Sri Lanka and um, and do uh, other creative projects like uh, short films and stop motion videos uh, related to uh, the topic of LGBT people and the culture of the LGBT people living in Sri Lanka because there's so much more that the uh, People in Sri Lanka itself doesn't know, and uh, and and pe interna international community doesn't know. Um, that needs to be get get out on social media. That that's why we started Less Kitties. But uh, since we started it, we've been uh, we didn't know that we would come to a point where through our social media. Like through our Facebook page, uh, people notice us, seem to notice us more than the mainstream organizations. And uh, sometimes they would like track our own personal social media, like mine and Aloka's uh, personal accounts, and they would message us and come out to us so bravely. Uh, where else, like uh, those people don't come out in their own social media, but maybe they would even use fake accounts and uh, maybe uh, they would use their personal account and message us just because they found out that we are a LGBT YouTube channel in Sri Lanka. And, uh, and, and, and one of those people have even told me that, that uh, they've tried to contact those organizations, but They've been, uh, it, they look a bit um, unattached to the community and they look uh, unapproachable. Uh, and, they, and there was a language barrier because the person spoke Singhala and uh, they weren't sure if, if, the, if those organizations would, could help them that way. So they just instead reached out to me, my account, and, uh, and I've been able to help them through Chatra, 
because uh, we have like a another community of uh, di different people working on different areas who can uh, help people in trouble so there's even there's trans kids who want to do their surgeries there's um, there's there, there are lesbians who who are uh, being abused by their parents and there are like there is one gay couple who uh, who are separated by their families so there are many uh, young people like that who uh, want some help but uh, can't approach the other other organizations so they just came out to us and we are really glad we're really glad just uh, being 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 just two sri lankan teenagers being able to do something like that other than other than just vlogging because uh, vlogging is just our passion we just do vlogging for fun and and we are glad that we could do something more than that for the actual community we we never expected that to happen but we are glad and we want to keep growing and we want to keep creating content and reaching out to the community most important um thank you but i'm i'm also sorry i'm just curious like you know because i know that it's illegal in sri lanka but i'm also aware like because i i've been you know i look quite i guess in the western context I look quite visibly queer but i also know that when i go back to sri lanka i look obviously like a foreign like a foreign person right like even though I've, i'm a person of sri lankan background like the way how i present myself the way i speak you could tell that you could tell my class you could tell that i'm not official not of no you can tell that i'm not from sri lanka like i'm a visitor more like just want to know like have you ever come across any risks has have you ever thought about you know the repercussions at all um considering the situation in the country oh um what do you mean like when we go back to sri lanka uh no because like your social media and your youtube channel is obviously quite public quite open and gaining a lot of viewers um have you have you come across any uh i guess a situation or an event where you probably had to rethink about your channel or you've had face some backlash that that's the thing that's the main thing because uh we didn't we didn't expect this much popularity in the beginning we just uh, started it we thought uh, we were having so many uh, uh we were so having so many uh, like uh, we were holding ourselves back of making the channel because we were afraid like the whole community itself is going to lash at us as soon as we started in january last year when we started this we were so nervous and we didn't we were afraid we, they were they would just uh, make memes memes out of us or like contact us and uh, and uh, try to uh, try to say uh, try to cyberbully us but um, it didn't happen weirdly when we started it in the beginning and uh, a few months later when we were gaining a bit more crowd people even started commenting on our channel uh, asking if we were lesbian because they simply couldn't believe it it was sort of out of the ordinary and uh, that was that was fine and and we were just saying yes we are because we are simply open about it and uh, we we 
it's not a fact of being afraid to come out it's a fact of uh, how much you care about the community and how much you care about yourself like how much you want to put yourself out there so we just uh, we just uh, reply to those comments very directly saying that yes we are lgbt yes we are lesbian and uh, after that they seem to like sometimes they just back off because they can't ask anything other than that but then there are people who uh, try to you know try to uh, send us bad messages like uh, they would try to uh, track down our personal social media because even those are out there we don't uh, we don't have a policy in like uh, not accepting unknown people so they would just contact us and with such nerve uh, send us like uh, uh, send us uh, sexually explicit messages and ask us um, uh, ask us to come and uh, have sex with them because they just uh, think because we are too mostly because the two of us are two sri lankan girls who are uh, open about their sexual identity that is why they are targeting us it and and that gender doesn't have to matter like um, the uh, peop- people of all genders would just contact us and ta- target us and send us uh, annoying and uh, terrible messages and uh, for those we just follow a policy of not re- responding to them and blocking them uh because we want to keep creating our content despite everything and uh, we just want to continue it and grow our channel and show that there are lgbt people in sri lanka and secondly that there are lgbt people who are not sex like um, sex workers or people who just want to have a sex life that does more than that because the two of us are a are the most average couple in real life we we are not people who uh, who are looking for uh, looking for sex in in that in that context we are a monogamous couple and i'm not attacking any polyamorous people here because they are our community itself and they should have their freedom to exist but i'm just um, trying to bring out the fact that there are monogamous lgbt couples out there and they should be allowed the freedom and the peace to exist because it these people keep on targeting us and targeting us and it has to stop thanks jamily i think with that um we come to the end of our interview with josh and chamely You know, thank you for joining us today and um hopefully we'll see you again in our show sometime. Thanks Ted, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. That was an amazing interview. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.